Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. But uh, hey, if you just press play, though, you are totally missing out on about 27 minutes of us talking about Chip and Dale, me, Daniel, and our guest today, Shirley on, who, uh, yeah, if you if you are on Twitter, I guess at this point a week ago, you know that Chip and Dale was <laughs> an interesting release that no one knew that they needed in their life. And so uh, check, check out our Patreon support for $3 a month. That is the uh, lowest and least expensive tier. You get access to all kinds of content um, that you otherwise don't if you're just listening to the show. At this point, you're missing out on a discussion about Netflix with our last one, which frankly could have been on this one. And uh, kind of how Netflix is just this bizarre thing that has always been overpriced and really just needs to figure their stuff out. (laughs) Otherwise, they're going to have to start selling their IP to survive at this point. Or, uh, goodness, I don't even... What what did we talk about two weeks ago? We had a really long discussion about something else that was really interesting. But uh, I guess you'd find out if you supported us on Patreon. Um, Super quick and easy. It's always in the show notes. You also get to choose something we review, which, hey, that is... What we're talking about now with Archive 81, that is something that you guys picked, uh, all the Patreon supporters picked for us to talk about, which um, is bittersweet because now I'm just liking something else that's not <laughs> getting a continuation um, on Netflix. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, but garners really interesting discussions. So head on over to the Patreon. You get to influence the show. You get to tune into extra content. Like I said, 27 minutes of us talking about Chip and Dale, which has plenty, strangely plenty enough to talk about. Uh, but in the meantime, first off, let's, uh, I guess, reintroduce our guest, uh, Shirley on. Um, thanks so much for being on the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Nothing really. Uh, honestly, I'm hoping. I'm honestly hoping not to get sick at this point because. Oh my god! Because hubby is like not close to death. I was going to say that as a joke, but he really isn't. <laughs> it's like, what do you do in recording a podcast? <laughs> right? Sorry, honey, I can't be with you when you die. I stepped away from I'm the wake important. to talk about Archive Eighty One. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just he's super under the weather. Um, not COVID. Um, we had some like leftover COVID tests from when we moved. Um, so he's he's negative for that, which is good. But nice. He's been That's running. Good. A low grade fever the last couple of days, all that kind of fun Dang. stuff. So, but I'm starting to finally feel it in the back of my throat. So I'm really hoping not to not to to catch it. Hopefully, my immune system continues to kick butt. Spotify came out with a new 4D add-on where it, you get sick if you listen to a podcast where someone else right. is sick. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think you got monkeypox? Here, that's probably. going around again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Um, but I mean, yeah. you had actually reached out to us saying, hey, if you ever talk about Archive 81, yes. let me know. It'd be fun to be on the episode. Yeah. So why, why'd you ask? I, I mean, I know why, but <laughs> let me play the listener. Why, why are you on the episode? What are you, what are you interested about? Um, well, I am an archivist or archivist. Doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Arch, it means archiv- archivist. Um, <laughs> archivist. Uh, I actually, I totally spell it that way in my head when I say it, so I can spell it correctly. Yeah, so I actually do, I was going to say I do what Dan does in the show, but I actually don't because I don't 
physically or personally work with film preservation, mm-hmm. but I have some knowledge of like what is done and how it works just based on my schooling and stuff. But, um, have you ever seen spirits when you do it? No, that'd be really creepy though. Darn. I know. Um, <laughs> have you ever experienced the Holy spirit or reading the Bible? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> Especially in the last couple of weeks. We're I've been going through Ecclesiastes. Ears. So you yeah. really feel it with that book. But yeah, so like I, I mostly work, I don't really actually even do preservation. I thought about going into it, but it's a lot of like, you have to learn chemicals and stuff. And I just yeah. was never good at chemistry. So um, I've worked with like organizing historical documents for like companies or organizations, people, um, townships. I worked at a township archive for a bit, but now I'm working on digital archiving. If any of our listeners mm-hmm. are familiar with the Wayback Machine, a project that I'm working on is saving a bunch of stuff about COVID-19 to the Wayback Machine for yeah. um, the National Institutes of Health. So I basically just copy and paste a bunch of links to make sure that people can know what's been going on with COVID-19. So, That's really cool. Yeah. That's fascinating. We thought it was only going to be a three-month project. Turns out it was like almost three years. Oh, my so, word. <laughs> no <yeah>. way. <laughs> well, that's when it started, it was at the beginning yeah. of COVID. We're like, ah, oh, it's not going to last that long. Here we are. Yeah. Um, but they do other Remember stuff, Remember when too. COVID was supposed to be two weeks long? Right. Remember that? Yeah. So We were going to be back. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. So this was kind of a fun thing to watch um although i have some disappointments but we can get into that later um and they're probably not even that trivial but i think they are (laughs) kind of kind of big so hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. Well, then, Dan, do you want to go ahead and introduce the show then for us? Uh, Archive 81 is a... Oh my gosh, what just happened to me? It's spreading. Uh, it's like the virus in the movie Pulse. You guys ever see that movie? No, I have not. Anyway, uh, Archive Eighty One <laughs> is an, it is a horror, ar- uh, mystery, culty show put out by Netflix. It streamed on in January of twenty twenty two. 
Uh, it is developed by Rekka uh, Sunshine and stars, oh my gosh, uh, Mamudo Athi and Dina Shihabi. And it is about a young archivist who gets a mysterious job. He's offered a tantalizing amount of money to go to a remote location at this really cool place to try and archive footage recovered from a camera at a hotel that mysteriously burned down. And as he begins to recover the footage, a mystery that has been laid dormant uh, slowly becomes clear to him. And he himself finds he finds himself uh, sentences being pulled into the mystery along the way. And it turns out he's perhaps more intrinsically tied to the events from back in 1994 than he realized. I I recommended this on the podcast, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, you did somewhere, I think, in like February. Yeah. It was a little after. Yes, I, uh, I recommended the first seven and a half episodes of the eight episode <laughs> yes. show. Yep. I found the show to be have a wonderful atmosphere. I love the mystery. I love analog technology as a thing. I found it very intriguing and I actually found the characters to be really likable for the most part. Two, some of them get into the stock of like a mysterious person who is oddly cryptic for no reason. Like there's like eight or nine of those people in this show. So that gets a little tiresome for me after a while. Yeah. But overall, I really liked the main leads and I liked the mystery and then it just completely falls apart for some reason at the very end. And I actually am on the Reddit for this show slash podcast. And there was a large number of people that were like, don't worry, guys, you just got to let it play out. You got to see what happens in seasons two, three and four. And <laughs> boy, did I laugh recently. So <laughs> but uh, I don't know who to throw to. Do I throw it to Shirley? Do I throw it to Let's Melvin? Let's hear what uh, Shirley on um, thinks first, because <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, dear okay. what do you think cheryl the magic of radio right? <laughs> <laughs> you know just sidebar radio hosts they love commercial breaks and we'll never get rid of them because it's like you got two minutes to go to the bathroom so you have like an entire collection of radio hosts all sitting around a table just they're on the eighth floor of bathroom the first floor frantically hitting the button on the elevator and some <laughs> stupid intern has like a stomach bug <laughs> so you're just <laughs> uh, but yeah sure what'd you think of the show because i have to go pee <laughs> oh my gosh um okay what did i think so i told my brother i was going to rewatch it for the podcast um i lied i didn't end up rewatching <laughs> it because <laughs> it was like it was thursday i was finishing up the work week and then friday came along i had to do a bunch of stuff this week so i just didn't really have like the time to invest i mean what is your overall like just general impression like if i stopped <sighs> on the street for some reason was like what do you think of archive 81 should i watch it it kind of loses that loses me halfway through like once the i don't know how much we want to talk about this show but once like the reason for the spookiness is taught like brought up mm. i didn't care as much anymore like i loved the i should have i meant to look up the definition of this word but the ambiguity of like what is going on what's with the spookiness the what is this the mystery yeah i guess but that's such a boring word like i liked <laughs> i liked that and then when it was explained to me what was going on and what was the purpose of everything was, I just didn't care as much. Mm. The the routine um, fall, falter of like a, a horror story is if you start revealing too much, it can really lose the mystery. And like, this is where I think like, honestly, and again, I haven't listened to the podcast either, so I don't know how they do it there. The, the um, Archive 81 podcast? The Archive 81 podcast, yeah. yeah. So what I would have enjoyed is like, so the whole demon 
thing that goes on. I feel like that would have been a better reveal for season two. Like even at the end of the last episode, kind of reveal what's going on and like leave the first season to be just totally like, what is happening? This is spooky. Like keep the like person creeping up behind you. Just a total mystery. Don't reveal it until the very last episode and then go into it because that's where it lost me was like, now we know we're going to follow and like try to raise this demon. Let's go into the past and like see what these people are doing back in whatever it was at the 20s or something and go into this whole detail. And then it just turned into that. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm just not at that interest. I ended up watching the whole thing and like not quite binging it, but I think I finished it in maybe a week. And so I enjoyed it enough when it came out. Yeah. But like, that's just kind of where I lost complete interest. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. That's interesting because like for me, I, I, I'll come out the gate and say, I actually really enjoyed the show. Um, I think it's, I, I do agree that the ending of the show sort of peters out. Um, the quality of the pacing is dramatically different in the last 40, 20, 30 minutes of the show than mm-hmm. the rest of it. Um, I, lo- I also agree with you, Dan, that I like the characters. I immediately really liked Dan Turner as a character. Mm-hmm. I thought, I said to Kat, I like that he's curiously reserved. He's a very, because he's not shy. He's very... Yeah, personal. He doesn't share a lot, but he's he's an archivist who likes investigating stuff. So he's not afraid yeah. of being in danger. So he's not shy, but he's very um, secure about his privacy. And so you have this really well-performed, balanced character of being both a mystery himself, but wanting to find the truth about other things, which is a good contrast um, as an audience member to enjoy that. Like here's this character who's doing what I want him to, which is to find out more information. And yet the biggest mystery is he himself in some ways. Mm. So I enjoyed that. And I found a lot of the dialogue clever and smart. In fact, I found the show in general really quite intelligent with how it revealed information and stuff. Like one, one scene in particular, I think it's like episode three, he is, I forget who he's talking to. Uh, oh, he's talking to Ratty, which was cute. A little sidekick name. who's just a rat he finds <laughs> in the compound. And he's talking about like how he could be like, if he didn't know better, LMG could be a game, uh, board game production company or something like that. And like later in the episode, there's just sort of uh, a mention that the, the uh, CEO or at least just lead modern day villain Davenport kind of just is leaving. And he briefly says something like, you know, you and I are very similar. Uh, we're like game masters or something. And the the camera doesn't just zoom in on Dan's face or something. Music doesn't intensely start playing. <laughs> he doesn't have, yeah. like, he doesn't break into sweats. It's just a clear line that tells you what we already suspected, which is that this guy is being watched. And we already knew mm. that because the end of the first episode reveals that. But there's just a lot of little lines like that that are throughout the show that kind of share um, a cleverness in filmmaking that that shares information in a mild-mannered, slow-paced way. Um, this is a James Wan production. I don't know how involved he was other than perhaps going, that's a cool idea. I'll give you some money for it. But Or it's really like the podcast and he like hooked them up with <laughs> someone in Hollywood or something. Exactly. Like maybe he tuned in and it was like, this could be perfect for film because James Wan loves the idea of another world. He loves the idea of how that like not par- fate- fatal paranormal situations, but just the idea of like, 
yeah, but if ghosts exist, that's scary. <laughs> like, mm. so he, like, this is clearly very much a thing like him. Like, it has insidious vibes in some way, and very much more insidious than in Conjuring, that's for sure. Uh, it's, 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 so it's really well paced in all of that, which is again why the, the last episode can be so dis, disjointed and strange yeah. because it feels like it should have been two episodes long. It should have, it, it felt so, there's just a lot of information dumped. Uh, it just becomes a different show for the last like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Cause even Dan Turner's motivation changes from, um, the, the, I mean, to continue with things I even liked, the, the fact that there's always the truth seeking aspect to it. This is very much like Marble Hornets, uh, a, a long YouTube series that's a found footage thing where the main character, one of his friends was working on a film project, then he vanishes, and then the tapes show up and a note that says, just burn the tapes. But the the guy who collected the tapes is like, I'm curious what's on them. So he starts putting them online to archive them. And as he's investigating further, the only, there's more things that are happening that are putting himself at risk, but he can't, he can't basically fix the situation unless he learns more information, which requires him to do more tapes. And so I love love that motivation that throughout the series no matter what happens that makes dan upset or puts him in danger they always bring it back to fi- finish the tapes mm-hmm. and it it's always convincing it always works and i i'm always motivated to continue to see how that works out and yeah. uh so i love that i also love um i'm a big fan of any sort of movie or film that isn't necessarily about hollywood but is actually just about watching movies um if there's ever a scene in a movie where characters just intensely watch something no matter how silly it is like um in mandy when um nick cage and andrew riseborough are just sitting forward eyes wide eating cereal in the middle of the night watching um just a silly movie like i i love that and so they do that with this where he's just intently watching these tapes and you just see the blue screen melting his face um and you could practically see yeah. the bags under his eyes being made just bef- before your that's eyes that's just what archivists look like all the time that's <laughs> yeah, all we do just, is we just full stare goblin at mode. <laughs> yeah it's it's like it just turned so into a that, vampire right? and so i love that because uh i think it balances well with some other con- uh, with with a particular um, what is the word? It's not a convention. It's a um, concession. I think that's the word. They or I don't know. But they had to decide: Are we going to make all of the found footage found footage? Or are we mm. going to shoot it like a film? So like when and in the beginning, you watch him looking at the found footage tapes, and it's just found footage. But then at some point, it cuts to being a movie in the past. Mm-hmm. And they keep it limited to whatever is actually on the found footage or within seconds before and after. So it's the implication of, well, she obviously woke up and turned on the camera so that she can film the vent to s- because something weird is happening in the vent. Um, and I liked that at some point I was like, oh, well, when I watch a movie, it feels like I'm transported into it anyway. Oh, when I read a book, I feel like I'm transported into it anyway. So this works. Mm-hmm. And especially because later on they introduce, we're actually just going to go to that time anyway. So it works in that way t- as well. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff that I think works well. And then lastly, it also plays along with the idea of like how art can be dangerously infectious and how like mm. there's just the, the, the investment that you can have into art of all kinds and creation and stuff is both like this bizarrely supernatural thing of creating something into nothing or nothing into something. 
but uh, but also how you interpret art and stuff was all quite good. Uh, oh my gosh! And even the fact that it's like has an SCP kind of as- aesthetic. SCP is secure, contain, protect. It's a it's a web page that people can just contribute to, and I think it's filtered by uh, a particular editor. I, I don't remember how it works. It's been a long time since I read SCP, but they're basically all these paranormal objects written from the perspective of a. I don't know what you call it, an organization that collects paranormal objects. Some of them are clever satire. For in particular, there's apparently an item that causes procrastination. So the the article is literally, I have it in my desk. I'll finish the article later. <laughs> so it's <laughs> really great. Um, but then there's other terrifying ones, like a play that whenever it's performed, a, a, a killer appears. Um, and yet you're, compo- you're compelled to perform the play because no one has ever seen it to its completion. And I love all that. That's all great. Uh, so I was totally into this show. I was really excited. Like I said, if you uh, were a Patreon supporter who tuned in for the Chippendale thing, like if I had to choose between something to be distracted, watched, or just fully invested, it was like, I'd rather get distracted watching Chippendale than Archive 81. I mm-hmm. really did want to affect my emotional engagement. But then, yeah, it it there is a point when as more is revealed, unlike the show where more is revealed and then more questions are brought forward, the the climax of the show gets to the point where more is revealed, but there is not more mystery. They don't yeah. pile on more mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, so where there will be kind of a, a split between how people enjoy the show is how much they get into what becomes the A plot, which is it's something I like. There's this there's this truth to the idea that like as we engage with anything, especially something that deals with other people there is an inherent sort of empathy to that. And this show takes it to its extreme where as he's watching and archiving these tapes, he's getting drawn into this, what happens to this woman in the past. And he starts to sort of form a connection with her. One that becomes very literal, which I really liked by the way. I love yeah. how they did all that. It's super cool. Yeah. Like there's these interesting waking nightmare segment segments mm-hmm. where he kind of talks to her and then starts to imply that he actually is kind of going to the past and becoming a part of the tapes he's watching. Which is so cool. Which is really, really cool. And I, for me, I like that. I like the idea that like, as he gets more into it, it becomes less about this mystery and more about his mysterious non-specific connection to this other person, which is something that everyone who's really been ever drawn into a show, a movie, a book has probably experienced to some extent. And uh, like it reminds me of actually like, uh, I don't know if you guys know anything about Norm McDonald's, who is a comedian who died not too long ago, but he has this, he had this fascinating tidbit in an interview where he talks about how he hates art because he is so moved by it. He can't handle it. Like he tells a story about going to an art museum and he saw this painting of one from like the 1700s and he just started to weep because the reality of this beautiful woman was gone and he would never meet her. It was just so crushing mm. to him. And it's like that feeling extended for eight episodes, but yes, on this yes. added layer of maybe I can do something. And to me, that became more compelling. And it's it's this handoff that is tricky to pull off. It's like an indirect directness. The, the, the creativity of him being completely indirectly connected and yet still having some bizarre connection yeah, became like, really interesting to see how they'd explore. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... Yes. it's just yep 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 it, <laughs> yeah it so like for some people they're gonna like the mystery more than that which is fine like i think i do wish that they drew out the mystery more because at a certain point it just solves the mystery and if you're not locked into this aspect there's not much for you to hold on to mm-hmm. other than much like our protagonist just wanting to see how the show wraps up and i don't know when we want to get into the last episode but well i just want to say too like i i think 
I was distracted by, I guess you called it plot A, like this demon thing. <laughs> I was distracted, distracted by all of that, that I didn't, I no longer cared about this connection that like Dan had to Melody. Like I could see it developing. I could see that it changed from like, oh, I just want kind of want to figure this out because I'm watching these tapes. Now I'm really curious to the switch of like, I need to, st- I need to figure this out so I can save her, even if she doesn't exist anymore if she like is dead or whatever and then all of a sudden this this demon plot came out and then it it (laughs) felt like that became so big and bloated that everything else just kind of became whatever's below that and it just yes it was very distracting and like i didn't care about that because i wanted more of that like mystery while he's trying to figure things out and give me more of that like waking nightmare conversation with her and like I didn't even mind like the face coming out of the screens, but then when you gave me the, like the reason for that, I just stopped caring. Cause I yeah. don't, I'm not into one. I'm not into any of that kind of stuff. I think demon exorcism, raising all that's just creepy as heck. Um, and so like, I yeah. just don't, I don't care. But at the same time, like I'm also not as like freaked out by it as much as I am of like, I don't know what's going on. I'm more freaked out by the unknowing than the knowing of this demon. I don't even know what his purpose was. Like when they're like, what? Like they brought him back. Like, why? Know. Like, what was the point? Like, it just was weird. Yeah, it was so strange. It it is disappointing. It is disappointing. I I 100 grant you that. It's it is. I was surprised that they gave the bag away so quickly. It was like what episode four or something that was just like. Here's the information. (laughs) It's so weird. You mean like when they introduce that there's a cult meeting in the community room? Because they introduce that pretty quickly. Well, even that I didn't care. I didn't mind that. There's still an air of mystery to that. Like, oh, they're praying to this thing or whatever. And there is the connection to the snuff film that they talk about. I think in the very first episode, they talk about the snuff film that has never been found, which is Mm -hmm. super interesting, Um, which like that even just kind of harkens back. I'm going to put my archivist hat on real quick of like, (laughs) of film from like the 1920s and like silent yeah. film and all that kind of stuff is all gone because much. Mm-hmm. either it was made from nitrate film, which if you have no idea what happens to nitrate film, just go on YouTube and look it up because it's watch inglorious really cool. bastards. It just burns and burns <laughs> and burns and you can't, you can't put it out. So like there's fires that just, you just kind of have to let them burn. You can't save anything. It just happens. Um, but then also I was just reading cause I had to, review myself that like film companies to make space they just destroyed film so like there's silent films also because of the advent of talkies they didn't want silent film anymore it wasn't going to make any money so they just got rid of them so there's, there's like all this stuff that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> That's which wild. is fascinating so now <laughs> like film preservationists are like we got to get our hands on this and digitize which is what dan is doing for a bit of a different reason but so they find the snuff film and everyone's just like oh it's just fiction well spoilers it's not fiction so like and like that's fine but then when it's like okay now these cult members are literally gonna do what the snuff film did i like you just kind of gave it away there and i'm like okay okay go back like let her sneak into more cult meetings and like see what they do and like give us a little bit more of that she snuck into one and then that was it and then it's like the next episode they revealed what they were trying to do and it just I don't know. 
it just felt flat for me. For me, I so it was actually another thing I liked. I like locational horror, and since this was a mm. single place in New York, yeah. the idea of like it's just in a populated area, and, <laughs> this is and here we are being evil. <laughs> like, yeah. No one knows. I I do like the idea though that they were so like blatantly uh comfortable they were blatantly comfortable with being bad and and like there was almost nothing that could be done that that confidence in the cultish Mm -hmm. evil is in itself terrifying to me like i like the idea that a lot of these characters who lived in the apartment were just very single note one note and like that's all they needed to be to emphasize like they're fully committed to this there's nothing else that they care about that that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so i guess like there's just a it, the show just has a lot of stuff that I really like, um, and I think that's why for me it's probably more disappointing that it's not getting continued because yeah. at some mm-hmm. point I do want to just see a bit more of what's done. Um, but there's just a lot that I like that. Then yeah, it, it, even if there was a second season, there's a lot of mystery that's lost to the point where I was like, I hope this ends. And if there was a second season, it was going to be an anthology and it would just be a different story yeah, and that it, it turns like out lmg up. was going to be like an scp foundation where there's just other paranormal weird things going on what is hard to convey a little bit is that rkvd one is a interesting mixture of elements that to genre enthusiasts there's a lot of little things that are really nice like there's a there's two great creepy locations there's an engaging mystery there's some fun lore there's some found footage media stuff there's some analog horror there's all these little things that are very palatable to, I think, the current audience for horror, especially if yes. you're an internet horror person. So if you've watched like The Walton Files or um, or Pet Scop or any of that stuff, this is right up your alley. And so like, even if there's elements of it that don't necessarily pan out the way you want, it's an attractive package overall, uh, which kind of is partially what makes the end resolution to everything so disappointing is that none of the, either, either the threads wrap up in a way that I don't like, or they don't go anywhere, mm. or they were theoretically supposed to be wrapped up at, a, at a, another time, which yeah. makes it somewhat hard to fully recommend as mm-hmm. a show because even the things you like kind of disappear into the ether a little bit by the end. So, What's interesting, though, for me is I feel like a lot of the stuff is more flavored to enhance the experience. So, for instance, the one character who's recording a bunch of tapes, and then we learn that another character who was in the compound had been converting those tapes into digital files. And it's like, oh, he's seeing a face, he's seeing a face in these soap operas. And for me, the flavor that enhances it is it means there was a person living in the viscer who was also seeing the face. So what could they do? They just decided, I'll use my VHS recorder to try to capture the demon in the videos. So they just started recording every soap Mm. opera that ever existed. Their television is constantly recording. I mean, this is peak pirating. You've never seen anything (laughs) like it. And they're just doing something that's so mundane, which is, I think I see a demon or a ghost in the screen. I'm going to capture it, which is a cool comparison to the episode where they go into the past and it's there's this call to people who are using photography to try to capture ghost orbs. Which is a real thing that happened. Yes. Right. And it's just a yeah. cool modern perspective of like, I think I saw a ghost in this episode of the soap. I like, I'm going to record it and make a compilation of it. And to me, that's really neat. It doesn't really change anything about the story. It doesn't need to be a paid off thing. And I feel like the show has a lot of stuff like that peppered in like the first introduction that there's a mold, right? That there's this mold that is affecting people in a paranormal way. 
Um, at first it's a little annoying, but then for me, I was like, no, that's pretty cool flavor of like, this is the quote unquote ectoplasm of mm-hmm. the paranormal entity that's around. Like when it just starts to affect and touch stuff, it leaves this presence. And to me, I'm like, that's pretty neat. I also like the visual. Um, I have been playing Elden Ring for a very long time. <laughs> the first ending I got was the Lord of Frenzied Flame. And you get that by interacting with this thing called the Three Fingers. The whole world is dictated by the Golden Order, who chooses two fingers. But for some reason, there's this three fingers somewhere else in the world. And you can only find it at the very, very bottom of a location. And it has the similar aesthetic of that, where it's these fingerprints that are left everywhere. And they're like basically this evil fingerprints, whereas if the two fingers are interacting, you 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 learn about them through motion, but the three fingers, even their fingerprints are evil. And so like it has a cool visual aesthetic that I just think is awesome. And I so for me, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll go cry after this episode. Oh, <laughs> Netflix, why'd you get so my show? But like it's. To me, that all is just good flavoring for for a horror story that um, I don't think there's really quite anything like it. I don't I don't think I've seen something that has. I just haven't seen. I've watched a lot of analog horror stuff in a, in a similar aesthetic, found footage stuff. I like as a medium because there's really again nothing like found footage. But and even on YouTube when there's like like you mentioned Pets Cop or even Everyman Hybrid and stuff like that, which are just really interesting, um, complicated. Uh, things there's there's even an alternate reality there's a blog you know the one it's a it's a um a spelunker and he just posted on a blog about spelunking into a cave oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, thomas has told me yeah, about yeah that. i've read that blog it's it's so cool and we finally get this really neat series that essentially took all of that and put it together and like most creepypasta like most our no sleep stuff the ending's terrible <laughs> yeah. it just it never works out um but like, and and you can't have an ending like the spelunking one where it's just I'm going in, I may not come back, and it just that's it. Yeah. I guess he didn't come back. That works in the medium of a blog, yeah. right? The the mystery that does it. not work for a television show. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, and they they at least have the adding bonus of like because it's a horror series, it can end like horror movies where the bad thing happens at the end yeah. and they don't survive. Like whatever. This idea of like I feel like it got away from them with this whole like okay we're gonna raise the demon we're gonna have like this whole like creepy ritual or whatever you can still have all of that but i feel like they kind of forgot where they came from like you're talking about this like the analog horror the found footage and all that kind of stuff because then there's a point where all of that i don't want to say it stops because it doesn't but it doesn't become the prevalent part like there's like a whole part where like he's no longer watching the video but we're still getting melody's perspective because he's off with his sidekick the computer sidekick like doing (laughs) stuff but we're still getting her stuff so there's no more found footage stuff we do see her recording and all that kind of stuff and then sometimes she turns it back on herself or whatever we see it through the lens of the camera Yeah, yeah yeah but it's not in the same vein as like dan watching which is what i found interesting it just turns into yeah so it gets away from them like they kind of forgot what their thesis was and they like went down a rabbit trail and like focused on this this demon thing it's also just scarier that he's limited by i can only interact with the tapes like he literally can't do anything yes because that's what makes talking about the idea of like what makes some stories interesting is when you have a character watching something and they can't do anything about it that adds more tension terrifying nature to it and Mm -hmm. that's why when he starts interacting in the tapes and these weird dream sequences it becomes more interesting because it's like 
well, it's already paranormal, so let's yeah. see how this develops. But then it stops becoming paranormal because then he starts talking with his with his buddy and they're trying to figure it out from like a detective side. Like, here's let's put up the whole like storyboard on the wall and like follow the and connect Sylvia the dots. Wall. Yeah. And not having these paranormal moments of like, okay, let me just like I'm gonna go to sleep, I'm gonna dream, keep an eye on my body because I don't know what happens in the real world while I'm out here, like am I sleepwalking or whatever. Like insidious. Yeah. Well, I've never seen it and I don't want to, so I have no idea what that <laughs> reference is to. But like they could have done something a little bit more clever like that. And like, sure, okay. So some like what they ended up doing because the guy I think he went off and like went to like a video store and found the original or was it a copy? I can't remember if it was a copy of. It's a copy, the lost and I think it's supposed thing. to be Dan's old girlfriend because there's some yes. drama that they oh, have. Yeah, yes, that's right. So there's like tension there, or whatever. So like, so like, there is a little bit of that, and they do use that to help them figure out what's going on. But it's no longer about this found footage. Like I like, let's be the audience through the camera kind of thing, and that's where I think the the mystery and the terror kind of lost it for me. Mm-hmm. That like, it's almost like it went from black and white to color and black and white for me is always a little creepier than it is for color because you see everything in color. Which is why actually the, the choice to have it, uh, some stuff at the end be shot on the kid's camera was really cool to me. That was cool. Yeah. But then, yeah, like you, like you said, it, it, it kind of goes in the wrong direction where he gets more agency. Yeah. He gets more agency and power. Even, um, I mean, at this point. This is full spoilers. Everyone, I think we went like, past that. A there's a point when he realizes, like, <laughs> he has to go through a portal to save a character. Oh my gosh. And it's just, so yeah, weird. It really kind of, it's too much um, can I, decision. Can I and, just like, rant about the last episode? Even his point? motivation, uh, yeah, for sure. But like, <laughs> even his motivation, like, I'm going to go save her, changes to I need to find out what happens at the end, which yeah. was just a disappointment for me, yeah. but wasn't. It wasn't unexpected because yes. there's what there's a scale. I think I've, you've probably heard of this, Dan, where it's like a horror movie graded seven out of ten is pretty good versus a normal movie being seven out of ten, which is pretty bad. <laughs> and so, like horror, when it gets to this point, is like okay, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah, because there's like really Jean-Claude effective good movies. scares up to this point. Um, like for me, I, I think the journey was absolutely worth it. The exploration of it, the um, it just. But yeah, you get to that last episode and it's a little, I didn't even mind the period piece section. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a, a fun little break. I was vibing with it. I was vibing with it. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like I, I was, cause I, cause I'm a loser. I'll just like watch hour and a half long videos about things I've never experienced. So I like, I was watching people talk about like Duke Nukem and postal video games and they were <laughs> talking about like the problems with sequels, but they're like, this didn't need to be a great game, but it could have been a good postal game or it could have been a good Duke Nukem game. It's kind of yes, like that yes. where it's like, I didn't expect high art. But I wanted this to be a mm-hmm. nice little spooky thing. But uh, for those who obviously, if you've listened this far, you don't care about spoilers, but essentially <laughs> turns out that the demon creature needs the souls of the what's it overs because it needs to do something in the real world. But if they do this, they'll destroy the world, but the cult following it doesn't care because the cults in these stories never seem to have like a vision of the end at all. Yeah. They just go along for the ride. Like, what was their motivation? Like, what did they I think they know. were going to get out of it? Money? They're, power, for some reason, some, supernatural. Man. They're somehow convinced that it's a good choice. And I love the idea that it turns out the reason there's no more witches is because they did it once 
and, and they're it, like, all killed dead. all of them. <laughs> so I was like, that's great. You've built up this guy to be a really scary thing that like if it effectively gets in, it's dangerous. I yeah, I that was a, cool. There's a there's the cult where they're like, obviously what he'll do is best. He'll destroy the world, but remake it or something. And all the other characters are like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And yeah. when she convinces the young girl, the 14 year old, they're going to kill you. <laughs> I love that because it was like, she's the only smart one to go. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) You raise interesting points. Uh, But Uh, so basically they realized it to save Melody because she's been taken by the whatever, the demon thing. They need to send Dan through a portal. And there's a woman there who's been waiting a long time to do this. And so first off, the the movie, the TV show has taken a drastic shift in tone at this point where for the last episode, it stops being guy watches creepy footage story and becomes a universe traversing gallop where he has to go into an alternate dimension to save somebody so already you're kind of losing me a little bit yeah and okay fine whatever but they they come up with like the most like threadbare play in the world where you're just gonna go in there grab her and come back and it's just like you don't even what's you don't know what's on the other side of that you could walk in and get stabbed to death by the devil like you don't know like just you'll find a way back just go grab her and i'm just like okay they don't even tie a rope around his ankle or whatever. It's just a horrible plan. <laughs> all they have is like, we have a tuning fork. Just follow the noise. And it's just like, you already established that's an alternate universe. Like, you don't know if you can hear it. Whatever. So the plan doesn't make any sense. They go to this other universe. And I don't know if they just lost the budget. But this alternate universe is just the hotel. I was so disappointed. Yeah. I thought it'd be cool. Or they'd do something with whatever but it's just the hotel looks kind of great it looks like someone forgot to paint it recently you know it could have been it could have had that thumbprint mold everywhere and that would have been kind of yeah but like would a, that, have that would have been, been something would but it would have been, been like, like just the like other the upside side down yeah i, was like, I know that i was it like, looks like just the upside another, down to me already though another like true things, but yeah. <laughs> i feel like that could have been a bit of a pro like it's like oh we're just like they're just kind of recycling an idea they had from stranger things of like to what to make this like other dimension of the world or whatever like they could have made it a little bit different but as soon as you were describing that i'm like are big (laughs) i don't know i don't know there's there's such a rich history of depictions of hell or hell like places that they could have done something yeah but i definitely the other thing yeah like they they also like oh the demon will get you but the demon is just as limited in this world as he is in the real world. I so he's supposed to be demon. all powerful and he's just still trapped in mirrors while they're there. And I'm just like, I thought he was the boss. This is his this is home field advantage, man. Why <laughs> yeah. is he still chasing them? Like they're and Melody is just like up to this point, has been a very intelligent, capable character. But the instant she's here, she's just damsel in distress. And so the character is just like make stupid decisions at one point she literally just wanders away from dan when they're trying to find him back she just leaves the room and goes somewhere else it's just an entire it's a mess and then another character who also transported there is apparently fine he like grabs her last second he escapes dan is left behind it's just a mess and i everything that's the mm-hmm. show about the show that's good is gone it's not subtle or interesting no. the lore is terrible the rules don't make any sense the logic doesn't make any sense and then they even throw in the cherry on top a horrible gut punch twist ending, which is Dan has been transported back to the past. And um, the makes just so you know that it's 1990. 
to be whatever. Awesome. Kurt Cobain's death is on the news. It just happens to be playing, so you know what time it is. And also the Twin Towers. I loved it. And all, I, yeah, there's the, <laughs> the Twin Towers are their shadow is cast. I, ho- and- I wish there was a Wikipedia like collection of um, the shadow of the Twin Towers, and it's all films that use the Twin Towers to tell you it's the past. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's, oh, man. And the fact that, like, the I'm, I'm blanking on the villain's name, but like he is such a terrible villain. Like, he's the human bad guy at the hotel. He's such a flat character that he's so interesting. The fact he's such a big part of the final episode is annoying. Everything about it annoyed me. It's so bad. It's it just becomes this other less interesting show. I am baffled by it. And then the fact that that's just what we have now. It's canceled. It just makes it so much worse. So I wonder if the ending was different. And then they were told, like, hey, make it like they were maybe they were told, like, hey, because maybe they shot this sequentially. Who knows? Starting from the first episode and producers were seeing that the dailies and stuff, they're like, this is good. Change the ending to make it so you can go into another season or something. Only to then ultimately, like, <laughs> and two they, months they later, they giggled be like, behind uh, their back as soon as they left the office. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, we'll show them. Yeah, because, like, it does feel like that. It feels like. There's just reveals and and scares that are so well handled throughout mm-hmm. the show, and then and then this happens, yeah. and then yeah, a creature from the Sci-Fi Channel chases them around right. like <laughs> the reuse set that they threw a filter on, like right. Ugh. Would you? I have two things. Would you compare it to the way? Because you guys have. I think it's been you guys who have talked about this. I watch a lot of review stuff, so it's like building <laughs> into my head. Yeah. How like Marvel movies, like like WandaVision, like kind of starts out really cool, really slow, and then like it ends in a big boss fight. Like, <laughs> would you kind of compare that to this? Like it's nice and slow and then boom, here's, well, I keep here's mentioning like a insidious. boss fight. It actually yeah. is kind of like Insidious. It's a lot like Insidious, but like not as good as that. I'll take your word for it. Insidious <laughs> has yeah. great scares. Insidious handles its scares and like there's just a there's a uh what can only be called like a paranormal home invasion in that movie and it's really really terrifying and it just keeps escalating and something new happens and something new happens and and they cleverly use the senses to also affect it because they play a lot of noises and and like it's just really good um and then like they've changed location and it keeps happening and they keep playing up with new things and so it's like it's constantly rewarding and then it gets to the end uh, and it's not nearly as fun. Mm. It's like a different movie. Um, I've come to appreciate some of the choices it does. And then I also just like that franchise. So it's, it's been, I've, I've, when you accept what it is, it becomes a little more enjoyable. Um, but it is so similar to that where it's like another world and you can kind of influence it, but doesn't. But, um, when you go into the other world, there's almost more you can do than if you were just in the normal world. So it doesn't have any trade-offs. It's just better. And so um, <laughs> it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's unrefined. It's mm. incomplete. And um, it becomes something where by giving your characters more power by doing this thing, you really eliminate what fear is. Fear is a lack of power, a yeah. limitation. The mystery is how to work with what you have and that's why the tapes are interesting will Mm -hmm. i learn something new in the tapes will i get something new in the tapes the fact that in the tapes she starts saying things he said to her in dreams is like immediately terrifying and you're like what's happening and that's so cool and uh then it just doesn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. like 
and like I said, like I like the flavor of it, even the fact that yeah. like you learn that certain objects might have spirits attached to it. So that might explain some of why she's there in the place. And even the fact that there's a room that's locked that then is opened because she goes into it is cool. But it uh and it adds fear and mystery. Like the paranormal allows you to move the plot forward because how else is he going to get into that room that's mm-hmm. locked? He can't. Like, it's just, yeah. but the paranormal makes it possible. Why? Because they can't. Okay. Yeah. It's like magic and other stuff. Stop trying to make logic to it. Time travel, don't make logic to it. Just let it be a plot device. But you also get, you know, strikes. You use strikes up, and at some point you're out. And the final episode is like, it's like all outs. In It's like you're in inning one, and you've already yeah. lost the game. And it's, uh, it's, it's a shame, man. Uh, I was okay with it because I was like, fine, whatever, you're setting up a season two. But yeah, because there's no season two, it's just weird. Especially when you have good performers and you have an interesting world. It's like, I want to see more, but that's it. That's that's the movie. That's, that's the show. That's it. I don't know what else <laughs> there is, you know? So it makes me, it makes me wonder that, like, how would you guys have felt if the the last episode or even the last 30 minutes was part of season two like we didn't get like we were if if they were going to do a season two and they just kind of ended season one with like with a little bit more of like the mystery maybe he figured out like this is what the cult is doing like we do get a little bit of that but we don't get this like interdimensional thing until season two do you think that would have been more successful. I don't think that the interdimensional stuff works in this story at all. I think, yeah, I think that in this mm. story, the limitations of the tapes is what makes sense. Right. The right. the concept of interdimensional stuff, like S, the the reason why SCP is so interesting, or even Dave or Dan, you played through you played through Control, so you also have a bit of that too. What works? What episode is, is this? Uh, how many episodes have we done <laughs> of what mentioning Control? This of, is over a hundred uh, episodes of Cinematic Doctrine. Over a hundred episodes. That's the only. This is the first time you ever called me Dave. What happened? <laughs> I. It's because at work, moment. my boss is named Dave, and I uh, even messed okay. that up too. Um, <laughs> I messed it up there. Even so get it from this point. You just call me Dave. Just call <laughs> we Dave, never yeah. tell anyone why. Oopsie. Um, yeah. But yes, I have played Control and have said many nice things about the game. Yes. Yeah, and I want to finish Quantum Break before I get into Control. But you have your one object in. This Objects world power, yes. that has powers, and it's just that. That's why SCP is interesting. One of my favorite SCPs is a casket. And if you go to it in person, nothing happens to you. But in the particular recording of the SCP interaction, the people are going to it. They're dressed up in SWAT gear. They have cameras on their helmets so that people back at the at the foundation can watch. And the people in the foundation are freaking out. And they start dying, killing each other. And it's because the object itself doesn't affect you. But if you watch it on a video feed, then it does. And the closer the camera gets to the object, the more effect it has on you. Hmm. And so this particular SCP only has the effect to affect the ability to affect you through that limitation. And that's cool. But the second you start tossing in, also a demon comes out of it. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Now it's just like all the other things where a demon just comes out. Like that's, that loses it. It's a classic example of a hat on a hat. You know, it's yeah, just like, you yeah. Have, why would I want a hat on a hat? It's stupid. You, you have a nice, perfectly great idea. And then I don't know if this is because this could all be from the original. 
podcast for all I know. <laughs> is this the Nintendo just... 64 controller where you put a third handle on it and it doesn't matter because no one's got a third hand? <laughs> like, hey, the N64 controller is one of the best. <laughs> all right. It's definitely iconic, but why does it have three handles? There's, there's a handful of games that utilize it more like a like I'm I'm making gestures and I don't even have a camera turned on me, so I'm not doing it. But there's anyway, there's there's certain games that utilize the full controller. I'll just say that. But um yeah, like you have a perfectly great it does like to go back to your initial question, Shirley, like mm-hmm. if, if it does is this like the same MCU thing or Someone in a suit was just like, you got to have a bunch of punching at the end. You got to have a big fight at the end. Yeah. Why does he grab Davenport and fight him? That's so funny to me. It's, <laughs> yeah. But like, why do we need a big weird thing where they suddenly becomes like an episode of Supernatural or something where they a guy in a spirit Halloween costume chases them through like a corn maze or whatever hey, the costumes in supernatural are actually pretty good for their time i'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> no, supernatural. I, it was fun. it's yeah. a fun show it's, it's too long so much fun. in our very show. first episode together i defended supernatural to That's Melvin. Fine. I, don't I, know if I remembers think, it i think we're on season four i do so. i liked seasons one and two uh and then it is interesting after that and then it becomes just around season five ish is when i would say stop watching so you're all okay. that point i'll let you know i'm gonna watch the whole thing i'll let you know how you guys feel about it. you them. will become like all fans of the show where you start rooting against the show you'll, you'll, you'll become a recurring <laughs> guest on the love <laughs> <laughs> is a recurring guest who's updated us on where you are in supernatural <laughs> just like right here the for the supernatural like, updates surely <laughs> Just like team to steal. All right, we'll see you later. You know, I had a coworker who literally said they loved the show, and then they told me they only watch because they want to see how they lose, like how they start failing. They, they just want to get to the Scooby Doo crossover episode. That's yeah. all. Of so us, what I'm yeah. waiting That's for was more ghost faces. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is. I I don't know if like I think maybe if season two, like Melvin makes a great point where it's just like there's something the inherent draw of the show is in the relatively small scale that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think you can have elements of there's an alternate universe with a demon in it, as long as it's background. Like, yeah, as long, if that's the mm-hmm. mysterious evil behind the danger, that works great. But once you start showing him in the light, it just loses punch. So maybe if there was a season two that was much more focused on that, at least the transition would be smoother. But I would definitely see it being one of those instances where people are like, oh, yeah, season one is great. Season two gets so weird. And then people kind of like drop off around that point. But I I think they just wanted a hook. But I think a better hook for another season would have just been if Melody and Dan don't meet until the last 20 minutes of the last episode. Mm. And then then Mm -hmm. meeting each other is like if they literally just meet and they go like, hi, and then it cuts to black. Like that's a more intriguing uh, cliffhanger to me because it's just like oh man what's going to happen now that they know yeah. each other because there's people where they're drawn into that relationship aspect of it and then even if there's like if the show gets canceled it's canceled on a note where you're just like well they, they finally connected and that's kind of a happy ending in and of itself and they weren't like chased through multiple dimensions and one person gets left in the 1994 92 when did Kirk Cobain die I should know this but I don't know but it says 94. Well, he died at some point. And mm-hmm. right around that time is when Dan is in 1990s. <laughs> so, that I just... Yeah. So, like, would we say that we recommend watching it, though? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not bothered. <laughs> just the, the difference of reactions is great. It's totally fine that it is the last 30 minutes. I don't find it as destructive to the enjoyment of watching the show as I think some people do. Because... The journey is still fun. 
The yeah. journey is still fun. I mean, I I liked the Scream show, the first two seasons and the little movie at the end. And that's never getting resolved because the third season is just a new show with completely new characters. So it's like it's it doesn't really affect me that much because I I thought the little bits of flavor here and there make it really enjoyable and worthwhile. As for it being on Netflix and Netflix's routine problem, I, I mean, I even opened up literally just a list on Wikipedia of Netflix's shows. Control F, I typed in canceled. It takes me right down to the bottom where all the um, sources are. And I, it, it is like 56 uh, things crazy. that say canceled <laughs> down here. And it's like a bunch of shows that are not done. Like I didn't even gl- know Glow isn't done yeah, like glow, glow glow got canceled and that's like emmy nominated <laughs> what yeah, is going on like yeah. and the, there's even santa clarita diet they're pushing on me all the time i didn't know that was canceled what like what is going on here so like as for that it's like fine i i, I that, that's what i was going to recommend on the podcast um i'll just even briefly mention it now there's a, a show called land of the giants and they did a season on netflix and there's a section where they talk about Netflix obviously is a weird company because it's a tech company. So of course it's weird. It's got a stupid structure, but they have a thing where literally anybody can sit down with anybody and just assess their job performance and like then propose to other people like, Hey, I think this person isn't doing well and we can replace them, stuff like that. And there's a lot of people who are willingly comfortable with that because they find that like, okay, if it's time for me to go, if it's not best for Netflix, it's time to go. But for some reason, they just are comfortable doing that with their shows too, which is so ridiculous. And so there's almost a spite where it's like, no, don't watch it. Forget it. Like stop watching Netflix in general. They have a new show. Who cares? This is ridiculous. It's not worth sticking around to check it out because why bother stranger things? They might as well end it on a cliffhanger and then be like, Hey, we canceled it Yeah. because like, why do they think that that's earned it? Because Ah, it's just stupid. It's la- so stupid. Last episode of the cast of Stranger Things talking about where they wanted the show to go and what they would have done if they weren't canceled. Yeah, for like it's two just, and a half hours. <laughs> this is like Altered Carbon got canceled, yeah. and I heard that was had a really strong niche. And it's like, okay, I get it; it's too expensive, but just slash the budget. Even AMC just like was like season one of it, The Walking Dead kills it. The most watched opening of a show, just in general, it is massive. And even they were like double the episode count, we're slashing your budget in half, which is just maddening. I even got Frank Darabont to quit the show and be like, look, all these are all my friends that I invited onto the show. I made Shawshank Redemption. Like, come <laughs> on, they treated him poorly. And yet that show is still going. So I don't know. I think it's in its final season. Is it? I think so, yeah. But they still have like three movies that they're planning. There's like three movies they want to do with them. Um, I forget the lead guy, but him. <laughs> Um, cause he's still alive Rick. in the show or whatever, but like, still it's like, kill Rick. it's yeah, it's a cool show, but I'm almost at a point where like, like I've been talking to Dan about watching the halo show purely because I want to do a hate episode where we just hate what I hate watch the show. And then I tell you about how bad it is because boy, I've heard things, but it's the <laughs> first time in a long time I've been tempted to pirate. And I am feeling the same way about like Netflix shows at this mm. point where it's like, I even heard the OA is like a great niche show for people who love absurdist comedy and, and emotional stuff. Like, um, but it's like, that was canceled after two seasons and it's just a cliffhanger. What, what are we supposed to do with this? Why am I paying you $18? A month? And I'm not even paying, right? I borrowed it from my mother, father, mm-hmm. who would pay for this if it's just unfinished shows. <laughs> they, they make this argument of like, 
well, when you buy the series, it's still content. I know we canceled that uh, Boz Lerman show after one season that nobody liked, but you still get it when you pay for our service. But it's not done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I want to read Harry Potter, but the last four chapters of the first book are missing. Every single book is like that. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. That is so stupid. So, you know, I don't know what to say about this show. I think it's good. <laughs> I think all the performances are great. I mm -hmm. feel bad for all these actors who get committed to something. And yes, it's been made clear that everybody is grossly overpaid if you work for Netflix. Grossly overpaid. And Hollywood is just going to comfortably get back at them because Netflix has been trying to mock them, even with billboards. You go down Hollywood Boulevard and every billboard is a Netflix billboard which is stupid right because why are you advertising to hollywood like these people don't watch them they make them but <laughs> it's this like comeuppance that's coming to them where it's like your show which is in the top 10 at the start of the year for a really long time within two months gets canceled what am i supposed to do <laughs> like who wants to contract are you saying there's billboards just promoting the service netflix and hollywood the shows from Netflix, uh, but specifically the like idea Netflix. of someone who's like in Hollywood going Netflix. That? <laughs> right. That's the point, though. Like, obviously, you know, it's there and they do Is it that on similar purpose. to Quibi. But like, <laughs> basically, it's like they have a longer, you know, like they bought the Chinese theater when it was going to be brought down. Like, be, and so like Netflix was Quibi constant. Did? No, Netflix. <laughs> that's where all their money wow. went. <laughs> but Quibi might as, might as well. But it's it's the same mentality and so like it's just it's so messed up and so like at this point why would anybody want to work with netflix to sell their show to them like they were the place you'd go to to do this and now it's like i i have just started getting into tv shows this year all right this is totally new for me <laughs> and like I just can't stand it because it's like the shows I'm watching are just dying left and right. Could you imagine if Yellowstone was on Netflix? They probably would have canceled that. And that's like the biggest show since like Game of Thrones, since Breaking Bad. And it would have just been canceled if it was on Netflix. And I just don't get it. All right. I'm 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 off my soapbox. All right. I'm out of here. Good I got to go pee again because I've been drinking too much coffee. Someone uh, else take so over. <laughs> Netflix is reportedly looking into what's called live streaming. What? Um, that's weird. <laughs> and if that sounds just like television. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they're going to add the, the commercials. Because that was the last the thing future. I heard was they were going to add commercials to Netflix. There's going to be a tier that has commercials. Dear gosh. Which, you know, that's, <laughs> it's going <sighs> to, the, the tier would stream in 440, or not 1080p, and oh, have commercials. Right. And it's Who just would like, well, at that point, why am I paying for Netflix? Right? Yeah. I mean, we um, for a while, my husband had, um, like, he was paying for the YouTube thing. So we didn't have commercials. Okay. Uh, he got rid of it. It was, I guess, save money, not using it as much. But now, like, when we put on the TV, we start going through YouTube. And then we switch to Netflix. So, like, now we're watching a lot of YouTube. And it's just commercial after commercial after commercial. And we are just not a commercial society anymore. <laughs> We've the, evolved past the, that, yes. The impatience is real. Um, and of course Melvin's gone, but I was going to say with Netflix, I don't watch any Netflix shows like Netflix, Netflix made by Netflix. We'll watch yeah. supernatural. Two of my favorite shows that are totally guilty pleasures are on there and I'll watch them even though I own them on DVD. Um, <sighs> occasionally I'll watch when like the great British bake off comes back. Cause that, I think that's now a Netflix thing and I don't think that'll be canceled yep. because yep. they're too precious. So like, I'll watch that. <laughs> and then like, I ended up watching it for a bunch of documentaries that I think Netflix does do, but 
a documentary is just like a once and done thing and then the whatever. So like, I right. don't understand the pain of these Netflix shows um, being canceled, except I guess archive 81 at this point, but that is, yeah, I can't even imagine how frustrating that is. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm not okay with this. When you, you say that was canceled and that was great. When you say, um, you watch, are you saying you watch like the YouTube live TV thing or you no, just, we just watch, watch YouTube? YouTube. Okay. Yeah. If you get YouTube premium, it takes ads off. Like, we'll just be like, Oh, YMS is yeah. here. And then what else do we, well, I do a lot of red letter, red letter media. Um, and then there's a couple, he, Thomas really likes to watch like video essays. We'll watch stuff on like uh, music scores and like how light motifs are used here and there. I've got some book stuff and then video. Like you were talking about the um, crap. What was that video game thing? You were the patrol Elden and like, doom or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dan. Duke Nukem and yes. Postal. I'm yeah. almost positive. I know what video you might be referencing on <laughs> oh, YouTube right, because right, I right. think I watched it. I don't know anything about those. Two well, there was a new we Postal anyway. No regrets. There's a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll send you the video to see if it's the same video. It might be. <laughs> just out of curiosity. Just, yeah. But like, we'll watch stuff like that on YouTube. And like, so Netflix really isn't used in our home. No. Unless we're watching, either. oh, we, um, Stargate, we'll watch Stargate on there and, and, and Supernatural. And all those shows are done because they weren't done by Netflix. They're just all completed. Whether or not right. they're completed well is up for argument is fine, but they're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> they weren't canceled. Except Supernatural, which was then brought back, but still, I would say, I would I would say like um, a huge chunk of the amount of entertainment that we consume in my household is YouTube in some regard. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife watches. There's a guy who bought a abandoned ghost town, like old mining town, and he's just restoring it. That's cool. And so she's watching that. She watches videos from people who uh, uh, do like what's it not. They like get they uh, find rare like rocks and minerals, or they restore old like weaponry. Or That's fun. She watches uh, <laughs> different animal channels that do stuff like they rescue strays and stuff like that. So, and she also one thing we share in common is we watch like stuff from people who make costumes and things like that. So there's just a, like these are people that most people have never heard of, but they're they have a huge core audience of like mm-hmm. a million to two million viewers or whatever. Um, so there's all this like niche but like huge niche like big i don't know what's term for big fan bases that exist that you know you could just do that instead of paying ten dollars a month for like low quality netflix i don't know i I also don't watch a lot of netflix most people i know don't really watch much netflix melvin's Mm -hmm. the most netflixy person i know at this point yeah and i have stand them on the podcast i think i think they're fascinating to me as like a i think they do a good their, their form of data collection isn't offensive to me because it's literally we collect your data from watching your service to then <laughs> show you better stuff or show you stuff we think you'll like. And for the most part, they usually get it right. There's things I yeah. like and they've I find their um, I mean, I overheard the documentaries discussion. Like I've watched like five or four of those this year. I, I, and watched, I did watch the John Wayne Gacy documentary they put out. I've heard that I, I had a friend that standing that to yeah. me, uh, said it was pretty good. I've been meaning to check it out, but. And like I've watched a couple of their shows and enjoyed them. I know, of course, they're sh- on at least on their top ten and stuff, which I would hope it's not weighted. Um, but like, like a, a Netflix watches counts as two points, and a non-Netflix watches one point, and so that's why it's always <laughs> just a ton of Netflix stuff in the top ten. But they have put out good stuff. Like um, I, of course, have stand. I'm not okay with this. I think that's great. And of course, that was canceled. And part of that was Mindhunter got that canceled was, too. Mm-hmm. Which one? Mind Hunter. That's right. The the other one, which was really weird because David Fincher is like helped make Netflix. They how he helped with House of Cards and then 
Mindhunter is supposed to be great. And then, of course, he had Mank and stuff like that, but still. But yeah, that, of course, was canceled over quarantine. But it's not like Sophia Lillis and crew are doing anything else. So I don't know why they didn't just decide, okay, we'll make the show cheaper. I'm going to say something crazy. What? Uh, Netflix is the Facebook of streaming services. <laughs> I don't is... think they're as detrimental to society as Facebook, but I'd it, like to see they, some clarification. They were the first. They really, they really created the market that they exist in, but the rest of the market is slowly leaving them behind. And the primary user base that I hear about is old people <laughs> like the, like I, like when i think i was just thinking like who do i know that like pays for netflix it's like the parents of people i know or older folks yeah. I know. that's that's a good point i don't pay for netflix i use my in-laws <laughs> like, yeah and okay. most of the shows i know that were popular <laughs> for our generation are the ones getting canceled like dark crystal age of resistance was pretty big i think within our generation mm-hmm. and that got canceled i thought that was great mm-hmm. I thought it was really good and it, it was the first time a prequel enhanced the first product it made the dark crystal better by watching age of resistance and that ends on a cliffhanger that was really really compelling and it's just like all of these shows that are big for our generation are just not getting continued mindhunter is big with our generation and that's just not getting carried over but i just don't and part of it is there the way that they release shows right like they release shows like a movie so Mm -hmm. they've spent way more than a movie has ever cost on a show drop it in a weekend and it only has enough staying power that weekend Mm -hmm. no one's talking about it further that's why whenever a squid game or a queen's gambit comes out and queen's gambit was like in the top 10 for like six months it was huge when we reviewed it on the podcast it was only off the top 10 for like a month (laughs) like so we weren't really that late to talk about it on the show and like they stick around because for some reason, every now and then something really captures the attention of people. Guess what? That's like a movie and only like three movies a year do that. Right now it's everything everywhere. It's still getting talked about, still getting posted about, still being brought up. I have people texting me every now and then like, Hey, did you see this movie? And it's like, it's at this point, it's old for me. And (laughs) that happens every year. There's always something like that that comes out. I think like two years ago before pandemic, it was like the lighthouse was that where like it was, it it was in, uh, or even parasite. Um, But like, that's also a movie. You watch it once. It, it's finished because it's a movie and it doesn't cost an obscene amount of money. And like, then you have these shows that are treated that way, which part of the benefit of a show in a marketing sense is you have a week to week engagement. If you do have an ad tier, that's week to week ad placement. It's and, and you, because you're doing a show that's week to week, you don't need to produce as much. Like every, every three or four days, something new ends up on Netflix. And I'm like, nobody produces content like this. Even when they did it back in like, I think 2017 was the first year that bright was their first movie, which we all should have taken as a bad omen. Like that year, they produced more content than any studio was producing, which they tried to tout as a big deal. But that's like, I don't know. It's like when someone's, I remember when I was at the center, uh, we all, by being at the center, we got gym memberships to just go to the gym because that's part of mental health improvements. And I go to the gym with someone and like I'm on the treadmill, I'm just running, getting some, getting my heart rate up because you want to get your heart rate up before you go doing lifting and stuff. It helps with your body balancing stuff. And this guy next to me, who's also at the center and he had never exercised, he puts it on the highest setting. He's sprinting like a madman. So he's like, just like... <laughs> 
it's like embarrassing to watch, but it's like the kind of mentality you get when it's like, I want to be like the best, like no one ever was. And he's got the Pokemon theme song playing in his head. And it's like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. This is dangerous. You're going to be exhausted tomorrow. It's unhealthy. Your heart rate probably shouldn't be that high for so long anyway. And you're, you're, you're a sedentary lifestyle to Sonic the Hedgehog. That's bad. Like this is, and I think like Netflix functioned in the same way where it's like, it's the nerd kid who finally has like, determination to be not the nerd kid and not be made fun of when he should just be comfortable going at his own pace, which will be healthier and better. And like that they throw all this money to make a movie like bright with Will Smith. It's just a dumpster fire. And they only just recently canceled that they were going to work on the sequel. Why? What the heck? (laughs) Why would they even, I don't know, man. I, (laughs) I am, I like Netflix because I like a lot of their model and I like a lot of their, content because i think it's comfortably fine um it's it's strange because the content itself never shoots for the stars even if the company's trying to so hard that i find that endearing and every now and then they put out something that i think is really good but it's always something i like that gets canceled like i even started watching lady dynamite and it's one of the best things i've watched one of the funniest things i've watched just period and it's like they canceled after two seasons it's just weird i don't i don't get it man I keep scrolling down this list and it's just like <laughs> Raising Dion canceled after two seasons, Spitting Out canceled, Gentafield canceled, Black AF canceled. I don't, what's going on? The Is big somebody, show show. Um, it's just weird. So Shirley, would you recommend Archive 81? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I think if you go into it knowing how it ends, so like, I feel like, I guess it would kind of spoil even the whole show. If you understand that it gets a little weird at the end and you're kind of prepared for that, then I, yes, because I definitely am on that bridge of like, it was good. I don't know. I, I know I said I was going to watch it again. I was Melvin, you had stepped out and I told Dan that I lied. I, I didn't watch it over the weekend. I had my headphones on. I heard you guys while I was in the bathroom. How does that make you guys feel? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, he always it's has his headphones weird. on in the bathroom. Just you know, I'm not, I'm really Even not when I'm not podcasting, my headphones are on. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> and like, I as I'm kind of thinking about it, rewatching it, I there's no rewatchability for me. So I don't know if that even like means anything for me. Mm. So I don't really know if I recommend. I'm very like, eh. A show that I'm going to recommend, I'm like all there for. But I don't know. Take her to leave it. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I think part of it too is like, so I went into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, Archive 81. It's about archives. Or like, it's going to do something with that. Okay. It doesn't. And so I was maybe a little bit disappointed about that. Like I do kind of wish they went a little bit more into like the film preservation side and showed a little bit more of that. But that's just me as an archivist kind of wanting some. <laughs> something more cool. Well, I wonder yeah. what the data is on archivists and how they feel about the show so i do i definitely on our teams like water cooler um for work this i should have done it last week but i didn't because i'm a procrastinator i was like oh guys i'm doing this if you have thoughts put them below and i'll share them on the podcast no one said anything (laughs) the president is like wow you're up really early i'm like this is normal for me and that was the only thing so people reacted to it and they did like the little heart and a little thumbs up and i'm like Great guys, so what do we that think? That means nothing to me. 
So I honestly don't know. We were recommending it to each other when it was like first coming out, but I don't know how people actually felt about it. So if I hear anything, I'll come back and let you know. A follow-up episode. Um, <laughs> I just uh, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's our clickbait thumbnail on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Archivists hate this show. Uh, I also, I have a similar recommendation that way where I definitely think it's worth watching. I think it, honestly, I think it's better it might improve your experience to know that it kind of has this kind of dead ending or right? at, at minimum, you're not mm-hmm. going to like the fact it ends on a cliffhanger yeah. and you have no idea what happens to any of these characters where if you're like me and you actually found yourself getting kind of like attached to them and you liking the characters, um, that's kind of a bummer. And also like just being prepared for the tone shift. I think that's part of what I found so unappealing about it was it was so almost antithetical to what was so appealing about the show earlier so i think going in with that but i still think it's i think it's a good experience i think especially if you are at all a consumer of the things that we've talked about in terms of analog horror or internet horror i think you'll find it very appealing i also don't know i don't know at all and i wish i'd done research in this area how people who like the podcast feel about the show mm-hmm. so interesting. i don't know yeah. what that is like but I'm saying this to someone who has not. I've subscribed to it on my Overcast app. I have not listened to it yet. Me too. But we'll see. But who knows? Maybe in the future I will let y'all. There's a lot of, much like Archive 81, there's many dangling threads left from this podcast mm-hmm. episode for the future. <laughs> so Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think as, um, uh, it's always fun to see directors go into produ- producing. Um, and so James Wan just producing this basically going like hey do you like my movies check out some more stuff that i think will be similar and so in that way i think this is pretty cool to check out and i'd like to see him produce more stuff just to see because i like his style of horror i think he's very good at it i think he if just assuming he had any involvement i think he probably helped give some direction on like how to pace out some horror and do some good mystery and like just has like it just has some good scenes it has a lot of stuff to like and it feels if you like video games it even has a cool video game aesthetic where essentially like you can practically experience this a first person's perspective of dan turner holding the crowbar like he's in bioshock like that's all pretty cool um and yeah it's just worthwhile i think um in in the sense of like when you're looking for good horror shows to check out this one's really quite intelligent and cleverly written i'd like to even keep up with the writers for the show to see like what do, what do they have next what are they going to have going on hopefully they don't contract with netflix and they check out i don't know hbo or um peacock even or something like that to actually have an ending to their show or something like that so uh definitely recommended yeah having the qualifier of like yeah the last 30 minutes is kind of a mess but if you kind of accept it it's okay like it, it's fine and i've seen plenty of horror movies where the ending is they didn't actually get out in the end i mean it's the classic you put the convertible top up and it's um freddy krueger's jacket or sweater so whatever i'm totally fine with that but um why don't we start with you cheryl what what recommendation do you have yeah. for uh our podcast listeners so i'll start with a show i have a show and then i have a game recommendation um okay. this show is on hulu so hopefully no Threat of cancelization. <laughs> yeah. So it's called Only Murders in the Building. And Great show. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, it also takes place relatively in a single place. So it's in an apartment building called the Orconia. I think it's New York mm. or something. Um, and it stars Martin Short, 
Steve Martin and Selena Gomez and their chemistry together is fantastic. And Martin Short and Steve Martin, their chemistry is always really great. Um, But Selena Gomez definitely as the younger character pairs really well, but it's about three characters who are obsessed with a true, true crime podcast, which is hosted by Tina Fey. And so they're, they're obsessed with listening. They don't know each other until something happens in their apartment building and they all kind of meet up in a restaurant by chance And they're just kind of talking and then the podcast comes up and they start like, oh my goodness, did you hear this? What do you think here? All this kind of stuff. But then a death happens in their building that the police rule a suicide and they don't believe that it is. So they go off and investigate on their own. And what I really love about this show is the characters. So Steve Martin plays a character. His name is Charles Hayden Savage, who is a semi-retired actor of a 90s detective drama called Brazos. And so everyone recognizes him as Brazos. He kind of acts as Brazos himself because that's just like the character he was. Um, And then Martin Short is Oliver Putnam, who was a struggling Broadway director who is always looking for his next production like he's constantly writing and trying to pitch things and like his whole life is like oh can this be this can this be a play can this be and he's like super excited like this little kid he's kind of the awkward one who speaks out of turn half the time in the show and then selena gomez i think she's an artist um and she's renovating her aunt's apartment um and they each are somehow connected to the murder victim in some little way but you don't really know until the end um, and luckily, in sept- last year, in September, it was renewed for a second season that drops on June 28th. And I highly recommend it because it's super fun. The intro theme is super fun and colorful. It's almost like a, um, it uh, kind of reminds me of Scooby-Doo in a way, the way it kind of like silhouettes each of the characters <laughs> as they go up in the window of the apartment fun, building. Yeah. Um, it's really fun. You should definitely check it out. It's great. <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to recommend Land of the Giants, the particular season called The Netflix Effect. It gives some really fascinating background on Netflix's business model and how the program basically works on the inside. Of course, they give what most people generally think about is like the Netflix versus Blockbuster system. And so they, uh, it's it's a good show. And it gives, a like I said, a good background on how they function. I think it's came out in 2020. I can't remember. I think that is 2020 when it was coming out. So it's about two years old. And that was when everyone thought Netflix was definitely here to stay because like, you know, their stock went up, everybody started buying them, Arti- artificially increasing their value because, man, what were we going to do? Like, you just stayed home all the time. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely fascinating. It definitely continues a bit of our thread here in the last couple episodes where it's a patreon episode and now this one where we're talking about netflix and i guess just the existence of them it would be quite fascinating to hear them do maybe a bonus episode to continue it of course they have other subjects that they've covered like they've talked about amazon they talk about google they just talk about really really big massive companies um and stuff like that they've done it looks like grubhub and uber eats or something like that which is all pretty cool so um, definitely going to recommend Million of the Giants, specifically their Netflix season. What do you have, Dan? I was thinking about great canceled shows, and all of you cool kids out there will be familiar with Brian Fuller, who is sort of notorious for never seeing a show to fruition, and it's never his own fault. He was removed as one of the people behind the American Gods TV show. He got kicked off of Dead Like Me after like two episodes. Uh, the two shows he's probably most famous for 
are Hannibal, which was canceled before its time. Wonderfalls right. also canceled before its time. However, the show I'm going to recommend is his other show, which is currently on HBO Max. It lasted for only two seasons with a total episode, a number of 22. So it's not a large commitment. It is called Pushing Daisies. Mm. It is just wonderful. If you have not seen it, I highly, it. highly, highly recommend you at least watch the pilot episode as it's visually wonderful. The characters are so fun and quirky. It has a magnificent premise for a, for a weekly television show. Great cast. I cannot say enough nice things about it. The basic premise is uh, a guy finds that he has the ability to bring things back to life with just one single touch. However, the additional caveat is if he touches them again, they're back dead permanently. And there's a couple other additional rules on it. And so Chi McBride plays a private detective that utilizes his ability to help solve cold cases and murders. So he goes, touches the dead body, and he grills them for a minute because if he waits longer than a minute, if he kills them again, then another person has to die somewhere in proximity. So there's all these rules keeping him in place. So that itself is a great formula for a weekly detective show. However, there's an additional wrinkle I will not spoil as it's probably one of the best things about the show. It's extremely funny and charming and visually inventive in a way I haven't seen in a mainstream television show in a while. It is on HBO Max right now. So do yourself a favor and watch another horribly canceled show called (laughs) Pushing Daisies. And then what do you have, Cheryl? So my final recommendation is a board game called Unmatched, which is from a company called Restoration Games. And what they do is they take games that are no longer being made or published and they kind of they reboot them and so unmatched um i can't exactly remember the game that it's from it's a it's an old star wars game but they've refaced it to be uh characters pitted against each other to find out who is like the best of the best so they take many characters who are in the public domain so like they have um let me get my list uh alice from alice in wonderland king arthur medusa and sinbad and you fight them against each other and they all have sidekicks um alice has the jabberwock king arthur has merlin and you just kind of fight each other and you have like a deck of cards that are very thematically chosen um words are not working for me today that really work for the characters um if i had some off the top of my head i would share like how they work but they just it's a really fun game and you can mix and match from different boxes so like they have another one where they have dracula and jacqueline hyde so you can have dracula fight alice uh you can fight bigfoot you can fight robin hood they also have a bunch of marvel characters um we just got the one that has moon knight daredevil electra Luke Cage, some other ones. And you can just... So the you can, Suns. Yes. You can mix and match all of them together. So if you want to know who would win between Robin Hood and the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, you could totally <laughs> do that. That's um, cool. And it's really fun. So we have a whole collection of them, and we just pull them out. It's easy to play with a bunch of friends. Um, you can play with up to four. Um, and it's just kind of fun to see like the, the what-ifs of who would win in this mythological hero fight. So... That's all my right. I could recommend so many more things, but we don't have enough time in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So you should have me on again. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was pretty fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad you reached out about it too, because I know we wanted to have you on again. So thanks so much, Cheryl. Yeah, recommend another book to film adaptation, and I'll be on again. Because that would be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. 
you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.